Notre Dame was in desperate need of safety help via the transfer portal. And finally, at the 11th hour, the Irish got their man in Antonio Carter, the safety out of Rhode Island. How we got here, what this means, and how this impacts the Notre Dame defense coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome into Locked On Irish. It is Monday, May 15th, and thank you for getting your week started here by making this your first listen of the day. As always, you can watch a show on YouTube or listen on your preferred podcast platform, but whether you're watching or listening, please take a moment to subscribe if you haven't already. My name is Tyler Wojcik, and I am the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum, and this is my fourth year podcasting about the football team, and I'm also a producer for college football talent at the Fox Sports headquarters in LA. And in today's episode, we're going to talk all about Notre Dame's big pickup in the transfer portal Antonio Carter II, the safety from Rhode Island, who announced his commitment to Notre Dame over the weekend. I'll go over what he brings to the table, how I think he'll fit in with the Notre Dame defense. Plus, I have some thoughts about what this means for Notre Dame's transfer strategy and did they win or did they lose now that the portal window has closed. But first, let's take a look at how we got to this point and why I think this is such a huge addition for the Irish. So... Basically, Notre Dame desperately needed a safety. That much has been made clear on this podcast. And basically, years of recruiting misses at safety is what led to this point. Notre Dame was pretty desperate right now. They were very thin at safety. They only had three healthy scholarship safeties during spring practice in Xavier Watts, DJ Brown, and Ramon Henderson. Thomas Harper was there, the transfer from Oklahoma State, but he was only a limited participant as he recovers from shoulder surgery, uh, one of several that he's had in his career up to this point. Then there were two true freshmen, Ben Minnick and Adon Schuler. Adon Schuler missed the entire spring practice session with a uh, shoulder injury as well. And then Ben Minnick hurt his uh, finger. I think it was his pinky. Um, so he was a limited participant during spring ball as well. So Notre Dame really did not have a lot to work with. And also looking to next season, they're going to lose DJ Brown and Thomas Harper after this offseason. So with Carter, now they'll have five scholarship safeties looking into next season because Carter does have two years of eligibility. That much is very important, but I think it's worth going over these recruiting misses again because it really is jarring. So in 2018, Notre Dame got a commitment from Houston Griffith and Derek Allen, who eventually transferred to Georgia Tech, and they also got Paul Moala, who transferred to Idaho. I guess you can count Houston Griffith as a hit because he stuck around for five years, but I don't think he lived up to the hype. Uh, he certainly didn't live up to the hype that he had when he was a recruit. 2019, Kyle Hamilton. I think that one was a hit. I feel pretty comfortable saying that one. And then there's Litchfield Adjavon, who uh, transferred to Rice. 2020, they didn't sign a single safety. 2021, they signed Kari G and Justin Walters. Kari G transferred to Georgia Tech. Justin Walters medically retired recently. 2022, they didn't sign a single safety recruit. In 2023, they got Don Schuler and Ben Minnick. So those two, uh, it's way too early to tell if they're going to be a hit or a miss, but they also lost out on Brandon Hillman and Peyton Bowen. So Notre Dame, uh, it's, it's really been a culmination of years of misses up to this point, but they needed a guy. And honestly, I was pretty skeptical about whether or not they'd get him because Notre Dame is pretty limited. They said they were looking for a safety that wasn't going to be a one-year rental, someone who's going to be around the program for two years. And I was like, how many of those guys are out there? Well, it turns out there's one, and it's Antonio Carter II from Rhode Island. And the reason why he picked Notre Dame, I think, is pretty pretty interesting to me. And, and the timing of, of it all, how it all worked out, um, is a bit of a surprise. So Carter had actually been in the transfer portal for three full weeks before Notre Dame even offered him. He entered the portal on April 16th, and then Notre Dame offered on May 5th. I don't know if this is because he was at an FCS program. Maybe he wasn't on anyone's radar up to that point. I don't know what 
is that or why Notre Dame ultimately decided to offer him after waiting three weeks. I don't know if they were evaluating him that that entire time or were they split. I don't really know. But all they know is they did offer him eventually. And uh, Carter was getting looked at by some big time programs out there, including Ole Miss and Wisconsin. He had actually already visited those two schools. He had offers from LSU, Florida, Iowa. Texas A&M and a few other schools as well. So there's some big time programs looking at Carter, which makes me feel makes me feel more comfortable uh, in how he's going to acclimate to the college level. Because whenever you see these types of schools offering, you're like, okay, it's not just Notre Dame reaching on a guy in Division Two. Like this is a guy who's getting looked at uh, by some really respectable defensive defensive minds, like Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. They put on a great visit for him. They actually wanted Carter to play corner. We'll get into that later about what Carter can do because he can play multiple different positions. He did play corner when he was at Rhode Island, but he's going to be a safety when he gets to Notre Dame. So he went to high school at Oak Ridge in Orlando. His high school coach, Clint Johnson, actually played for Notre Dame during the early 90s under Lou Holtz. And I'd have to think that uh, Johnson played a major role in this recruitment because I know he uh, talked to Pete Sampson from The Athletic. He had an article out this week about how he said, uh, Johnson rather, said that Carter was a perfect Notre Dame fit. He had everything they wanted, um, and he understands better than most, right, because he played football there at Notre Dame. And I'm not going to lie, I was pretty nervous uh, when I saw that Florida had offered Antonio Carter because I also read that Florida was Carter's dream school growing up, and I figured, man, now that they're in the fold, I don't know if Notre Dame is going to make this. And he was actually uh, supposed to visit Florida at some point. Immediately after uh, he visited Notre Dame, he was supposed to go to LSU. And there's actually a very funny story about that. Matt Freeman from Irish Sports Daily uh, reported that LSU actually had a car service waiting outside of the Goog to pick up Carter and uh, take him to the airport for his official visit immediately after his one with Notre Dame ended. But Carter had committed to Notre Dame by that point, and apparently a Notre Dame staffer had uh, the honor of calling LSU to tell them, hey, the car service is no longer needed. He will not be visiting. He committed to us. That was pretty vague in the in the report. I get why Matt Freeman did that, but I have so many questions. Who made that call? I mean, if we're getting really juicy here, we can imagine a world where Marcus Freeman called Brian Kelly and said, hey, Antonio Carter's not coming. He just committed us. I don't think that's how it went down. I don't think... Marcus Freeman is that petty, and I don't think Brian Kelly would have even answered that call, to be honest. But whoever did make that call, I really want to know who it is. So if you're out there, if you're listening, let me know. Um, But I thought that was interesting, and he was going to go to Florida after that, apparently. Florida was trying to get that visit scheduled and locked down, but it never happened, which is really shocking, to be honest with you. I really thought he might want to go home. He played in Orlando, and uh, he played some big-time high school football in Orlando, but that's just not what happened. He went to Notre Dame. He really liked it. He said he really liked safeties coach Chris O'Leary, who played a big role in his recruitment. And Notre Dame kind of put the full-court press on him over the past week or so. He visited on Wednesday of last week, and it was a multi-day visit. And even though Notre Dame was a little bit late to the party, they were late in offering him, they went really, they were really aggressive there at the end. And he also had a funny quote Carter did to Irish Illustrated and basically said Marcus Freeman, Marcus Freeman had basically been traveling all around the country looking at recruits. He was also at the Kentucky Derby, although I did not see him. And uh, basically Freeman said, according to Carter, are you for real? Probably like, come on, man, are you really just, you know, are we giving you the runaround here? Are you really serious about coming to Notre Dame because these other schools are looking at you and all that? And he's like, yeah, I am. And apparently the academic piece was very important to Carter, which is usually not the case, obviously, for grad transfers. Most grad transfers are there to play football. They're there to 
you know, one last year, especially at a big time program like uh, at Notre Dame, for Sam Hartman, for example, he's a non-degree seeking student. I think a lot of other grad transfers, when they come to Notre Dame, it's the same deal where they're not really taking master's courses. They're basically majoring in football, which is pretty rare at a school like Notre Dame. But that's really only possible if you're a grad transfer. So I sort of assumed that maybe that's what Carter was going to do. No, that's not the case at all. He's going to be around for two years. He plans to be around um, for the both remaining years left of his eligibility. And he wants to get his master's degree. I'm curious if because he was at an FCS school, he has a little bit more self-awareness because when you're at an FCS program, like even though I'm sure going to the NFL is his goal, when you're, it's not like the expectation like it is for most of the recruits for these big-time programs at the Power 5 level, especially at a school like Notre Dame who recruits in the top five every year, or top ten rather, every year now. So he understands the value of a Notre Dame education. He understands the value of a Notre Dame master's degree, and that was a big reason why he went to Notre Dame. He also said uh, he had another good quote that I think is pretty indicative of the type of person he's in. This is a good thing. I'm just laughing because if you read between the lines, I see what he's saying. He goes, quote, I've already had my fun as a college student and already did all that. So that's not what I'm looking for. This is where I can get the job done for myself and for my team. He said that to Irish Illustrated. I just thought that was great. He's clearly like, look, man, I don't care that they don't have a good party school. I don't care that South Bend isn't that great. I'm here to play football. I'm here to focus and do what I can do uh, to showcase my talent and hopefully position myself to go to the NFL. That's great because, you know, I like to have a little bit of fun in this podcast and joke about how, you know, Notre Dame isn't the most fun uh, for students in the nightlife scene and all of that. But you know what? It, sometimes it might be a detriment to Notre Dame, but sometimes it's a great thing because you get the right kind of guys to go to Notre Dame. And by all accounts, Antonio Carter is a perfect fit for Notre Dame. He's a guy who's focused. He's really talented at football, and he cares a lot about his career, and he understands everything that Notre Dame is about. And I'm really excited to see him on campus and wearing the blue and gold. All right, coming up next, why I think Antonio Carter will fit perfectly into the Notre Dame defense next year. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. What makes Built so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, and these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. Each bar only has 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't need to wait to get a box. You can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club, and you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. So, head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a 4-bar box of Built Bars. And if you're close to Sam's Club, you can run in and grab Grab a 13-bar box with some of our hip flavors. No matter how you get your supply of Built Bars, you're in for a delicious treat, and you can thank me later. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. This is your reminder to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And now let's take a look at how Antonio Carter fits in with the Notre Dame defense and what does he really bring to the table, right? And look, I understand that he played at an FCS school and that there's a lot of people out there who are probably just going to dismiss everything I say because he was playing in fear of competition. Fine. 
Okay, if you want to do that, whatever. But I think that he was a really good player at the, at that level, and that's a big reason why all these other schools were offering him because they saw the type of player that he was, and they believe that he can translate that into the Power 5 level. So let's go over his strengths. So Carter, as I mentioned, was a cornerback slash nickel for Rhode Island, and he's six foot one, 200 pounds, so he's got good size, and I think he's a really great playmaker. He's very versatile. In Even though he played corner, not necessarily a position that you would think is uh, – accustomed for a great tackler. That's exactly what Antonio Carter is. He was a stud tackler, especially for a defensive back. So over the course of his two seasons as a starter, he had 105 tackles, five and a half TFLs, two sacks over the last two seasons. So he entered Rhode Island in 2019 and he redshirted that year. And then in 2020, he, uh, I think Rhode Island only played in three games. So he played pretty sparingly there because of the COVID year. And I mean, it, it was just a mess over there. But then 2020, 2021, he was a starter for the full year. 2022, same deal. So he's been on the field a lot. He's been doing a bunch of different things. They used him in zone. They could use him in man. So he could cover two. This isn't a guy who's just out there playing cover two zone and hang out in the flat and cleaning up uh, receivers or you know running backs who throw screenplays. He could do a lot. And he's really impressive at tackling in the open field, which is frankly something Notre Dame was not good at last season. And really the year before, Notre Dame hasn't been great at tackling the past couple of years. And I don't know if there's anything more frustrating as a fan than watching guys miss tackles. Like, I understand that it's hard. Obviously, like I played high school football. I know I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I know it's as easy to tackle at the college level, but you get my point. I know tackling is hard. It's not easy, but it's so frustrating when guys miss tackles. And some of it's fair, some of it's not. I don't think Carter's going to miss a ton of tackles at Notre Dame. He's also pretty good in coverage. He had one INT in 17 passes defended over the course of the past few years. But another stat that sticks out to me, he had two forced fumbles and two fumble recoveries in 2022. So he's really all over the field. Like he's not ever just, you know, hang out in one spot. He can get after it. He's flying all around the field. He's making plays, making tackles. And uh, in his one game last year against Power Five competition, um, Rhode Island played Pitt. And he had four tackles and a pass defended. He did give up one catch, but, I mean, that's going to happen. He's playing Pitt. Um, Rhode Island lost 45-24, to 24, I believe, to Pitt that year. And I think that maybe – I don't know if it was that game that made other teams, you know, sort of – it put them on – or put him on their radar – but I thought he did well. He held up. Now, is he gonna trans? Is he gonna be able to do that against you know everyone on Notre Dame's schedule? I'll get to that in a second. But I think his physicality is a big reason why he's gonna play safety at Notre Dame. And it was interesting too because, like I was saying, Wisconsin was looking at him at corner. I think Ole Miss was looking at him at nickel, and Notre Dame wanted him to play safety. So. There could have been a scenario where he looked at all those schools and was like, oh, I don't want to play safety. I just want to play corner. And then he goes to Wisconsin. Like, it, But that clearly wasn't his focus. He was open to the idea of playing a different position, um, one that might be best suited for him in the NFL and you know something that he can really improve upon because he's very – He's very versatile. He can do a bunch of different things in the field, which is what you want, especially with two years. So Norm has some time. They, they could potentially experiment with him a little bit, see what he's best at um, over the course of the summer and then in fall camp as well. And then, like, all right, once they figured it out, this is where he's best. Let's put him here and then maximize this for the Notre Dame defense. So as for Carter's weaknesses, I think you could say the fact that he only had one interception during the last two seasons might be a bit of a red flag. Um, but it wasn't like he was getting picked on by the opposing offenses either where they're just targeting him and he couldn't make any plays. Like I mentioned, he had 17 passes defended over the course of the past two years. But I guess, you know, Notre Dame would like a ball hawk. They haven't really had one in a long time. I know Brandon Joseph was advertised this ball hawk, and he just certainly was not that when he was at Notre Dame. He did have that pick against Syracuse that he returned to the house. But I think you and I listening could have probably picked that one off. It was thrown directly to him on the first play of the game. So, 
you would like him to be a little bit better uh, at hauling in interception, maybe m- making more plays in the ball when they're in the air, but he still can knock passes down. And again, he's very physical. He might be more of like a traditional box safety. And look, when it comes to these transfers from inferior schools to Notre Dame, like I can't tell you for certain that Carter is going to work out and that he's going to be some great player at Notre Dame. I, I look to the Kane Madden situation as an example of a guy where you never really know how they're going to acclimate uh, to that jump, to that transition going from a school like Marshall in Kane Madden's case to Notre Dame. And then in Antonio Carter's, it's an even bigger jump because he's going from an FCS program to Notre Dame. Now, that being said, there is still also a chance that it does work out really well. Jared Verse, the defensive end for Florida State, who might be a top 10 draft pick next year, he's uh, coming off the edge for their defense. He went to Albany, which is a school in the same conference as Rhode Island. So it's certainly possible that Antonio Carter could acclimate perfectly and be a really productive player during his time at Notre Dame. All I'm saying is I don't know, and I don't really think that anyone can say for certain whether a guy will definitely make that transition perfectly. And anyone who does tell you that they know for certain is probably lying. Okay? So that's one thing that I guess that would be my biggest concern. It's like we really don't know until we see it. And there's also a scenario where – Carter can be a really productive player against some of the teams in the Notre Dame schedule, like, um, you know, an NC State or uh, Boston Kyle, or excuse me, Pitt, things like that, where he's a good player. But Notre Dame is playing two of the best offenses in the entire country this year on their schedule in Ohio State and USC. And if Garrett Riley can unlock Cade Klubnick at Clemson, that might make three elite offenses that Notre Dame has to face this season. So how is Carter going to hold up against those guys? There's just no way of knowing. I think he'll do well. But we don't really know, and I guess that would be my biggest concern about his game going forward. Now, as for how he'll fit in the Notre Dame defensive scheme, I think he's going to play safety. That's where they're certainly going to start. I mean, I think that he's going to start behind Ramon Henderson and DJ Brown, which I think is fair because Ramon Henderson and DJ Brown, they've been with the program a long time. They've been around. I think it would be unjust to them to just plant Carter above him in the, above them in the depth chart from day one. I think that sends the wrong message to the team. I think Carter's going to have to earn his spot, and I think he will eventually, but it could be a scenario where we don't really see him on the field as much until maybe week two, maybe week three. Notre Dame has some games to work with before they have to face Ohio State on September 23rd, which is another good reason, a good thing for Notre Dame as they gear up for that game against the Buckeyes at home. Henderson has been around the program for a long time, and I'm at the point with him where it's like it's now or never. Like DJ Brown, you kind of know what you're getting. He's been around the program for six years. I think he's a pretty consistent player, uh, but he's never going to be like a big playmaker. There's never been a point in time where like, oh my God, look at that play that DJ Brown made. I know that he filled in well for Kyle Hamilton once he went down with an injury and he had some interceptions that year that I thought were good plays. Last year, we didn't see quite the jump that you might have hoped for, but I still think that you can rely on him to play at least 40 snaps a game or something around that. And I think that Carter is going to rotate a lot as well, who I think this really helps though is Thomas Harper because, as I mentioned, Thomas Harper has been dealing with shoulder injuries throughout his college career, and I don't think you can really count on him to be healthy for 12 games. Maybe you can, and maybe this is his, you know the best year he's ever had. He plays all 12 games, doesn't deal with any injuries, but we know how shoulder injuries are. They could come back um, at any point in time, and the fact that now that Carter can rotate with Harper, I think that's huge for both of them because now Harper's less likely to get hurt. He's more rested, and I think that having both of them healthy is huge for the depth of the Notre Dame defense because, like I said, even though I think Carter is going to play safety a lot, he could certainly play nickel, and if Notre Dame starts dealing with some injuries at cornerback, there's a world where they could split him out wide as well. He can really play every single position in the defensive backfield for Notre Dame, which is why he was uh, um, why Notre Dame wanted him so much. And I think, you know, to be honest, as much as it will help Notre Dame this year, 
I think it's going to be especially helpful next season once he has a full year of Power 5 football under his belt. He gets acclimated. He knows the defensive scheme. D.J. Brown and Thomas Harper are gone. What like well, Whether or not Xavier Watts breaks out this season, I think he will have a really good season, and I could see a scenario where Carter is starting opposite him next year. And, you know, there's always the possibility that Ramon Henderson or one of the two freshmen could end up bouncing after this year. We know how things are in the transfer portal nowadays. But having this guy around committed for two years is absolutely huge for Notre Dame. And I think he's going to have a big impact this year. He's going to be critical for the depth of the defensive backfield. But I think next year we could be looking at a real big-time player and a starter opposite Xavier Watson. Then all of a sudden we might be looking at safety as a strength for Notre Dame, which isn't something we've been able to say in a long time. All right, stick around for segment three, and I'll explain what this move represents for Notre Dame's transfer portal strategy at large. Okay, so with Antonio Carter in tow, Notre Dame has added six transfers via the transfer portal over the course of this offseason, and all six were grad transfers, which is something uh, that we've come to expect with Notre Dame. We understand that because of the academic standards of the university, it's really hard to get undergraduate transfers into the school. We've been over this on this podcast. Several other podcasts have been over it many times as well, but I think it's worth repeating that over 2,600 players entered the transfer portal this offseason. Of those 2,600, only 25% were grad transfers. So Notre Dame really only had around 650 guys to work with, give or take, uh, who were grad transfers that could potentially have a role here at Notre Dame. As great as that is, Notre Dame needs to figure out how to manage the undergraduate transfer situation because they're playing from behind right now. But give the coaching staff a ton of credit because they found six, well, excuse me, they found five because Caleb Smith is gone. They found five guys who can come into Notre Dame and contribute right away. And I thought, I think all five are good Notre Dame fits. So now we have to ask, is Notre Dame better or worse now that the transfer portal window is closed? So let's go back over it. Um, let's go who, over who's out, right? So here's who Notre Dame lost in the transfer portal dating back to last season. Running back Logan Diggs, at the, this point in time, he's undecided about his next destination, although I think everyone in the world thinks he's going to LSU. I'm shocked that it's even dragged out for this long. Next up, quarterback Tyler Buckner, he's going to Alabama. Linebacker Prince Colley, he's going to Vandy. Wide receiver slash corner Lorenzo Styles is at Ohio State now. And then offensive tackle Caleb Johnson went to SMU. Tight end Kane Brong went to Coastal Carolina. Cornerback Jaden Bellamy went to Syracuse. Quarterback Drew Pine went to Arizona State. Then wide receiver Joe Wilkins left for Miami of Ohio. And then defensive tackle Jacob Lacey actually left the program during the middle of the 2022 season, and now he is at Oklahoma. Now, who's in? Obviously, safety Antonio Carter from Rhode Island. And then a guy you might have heard of named Sam Hartman. He's a quarterback from Wake Forest. And then defensive end Javante Jean-Baptiste from Ohio State. And then safety corner, Thomas Harper from Oklahoma State. They did add Caleb Smith from Virginia Tech. That was an epic fail. And they also added kicker Spencer Schrader from South Florida, who will arrive to the team over the summer. So in summary, Notre Dame lost nine guys to the portal. They added four. But of the nine they lost, I mean, only three would have seen a lot of playing time this year. Diggs, for sure. And then I think Prince Colley and Jacob Lacey would have been good rotational players. Honestly, Jacob Lacey would have started, which then makes his decision to transfer after four games last season make even less sense than it did at the time. I didn't get it, and I understand that he wanted to start, but I was looking at the depth chart. I'm like, he could definitely start next year. Anyway, that situation is long gone. It's 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 well behind us at this point, so there's no, no point in rehashing it. And I'm looking at it this way. Buckner and Styles would have been nice to have for the team this season, but it's unlikely that either of them would have been important factors for the team in 2023. Now, obviously, if Sam Hartman got gets hurt, entirely different story. Tyler Buckner becomes a huge loss. But... For now, let's say that he's not going to get hurt because odds are he won't. Not going to win. So of the guys they added, one is one of the most proven quarterbacks in all of college football right now, and he might just be the best Notre Dame quarterback since Jimmy Clausen in 2009. 
Then the other three guys they got, or excuse me, other four guys in Javante Jean-Baptiste, Thomas Harper, Spencer Schrader, and Antonio Carter, every single one of those guys is going to have a chance to start. If they don't start, they're going to be like the first guy off the bench. So overall, I think that Notre Dame got much better in the portal this offseason, despite the difference in numbers. And some of these guys, you know, it's just a numbers game. It's going to happen every single year where you lose guys who are at the bottom of the depth chart. A guy like Jaden Bellamy, who's already passed up by Ben Morrison. Um, Drew Pine saw the writing on the wall. Joe Wilkins, same deal. A lot of these guys were just getting passed up, and they just left. That's going to happen. That's actually a good sign. So even though they only added um, five guys as opposed to nine who they lost, I think that Notre Dame got exceptionally better. And honestly, if they just added Sam Hartman, if they added Sam Hartman and practically nobody else, this discussion might have ended there. Like, that is how good Sam Hartman is. That is how transformational he could be, not just for the Notre Dame offense, but for the entire team in 2023. So look, this is the nature of college football these days. You're going to lose some guys. You're going to add some guys. And the guys you add, they have to be hits. Notre Dame especially because they don't have a lot to work with. They can't just be adding a bunch of transfers year in and year out because that's not how things work at Notre Dame. They have to be very particular about the guys that they bring in, the guys who will fit at Notre Dame. They've already missed someone in Caleb Smith. It's going to happen sometimes, unfortunately, as it may be. But I think all the other guys are going to be really solid. Now, I don't know if Spencer Schrader is going to be the best kicker in the world, but I know that he's probably going to be starting because Notre Dame isn't really good at kicker right now. And I think Thomas Harper is going to be very valuable for the defensive backfield. Same with Antonio Carter for all the reasons I just mentioned. Javante Jean-Baptiste, I don't know if he's going to be Isaiah Foskey. Actually, I feel pretty comfortable saying that he won't. But I think him and Nana Osafamensa coming off the edge together uh, on the strong side, I think they're going to rotate. They're going to be productive, and it's going to be really good. And I think Sam Hartman, like I said, he could be the best Notre Dame quarterback since 2009. And I think that even though that Notre Dame is sort of working with one arm behind their back here with the transfer portal, Marcus Freeman and the coaching staff, they did an incredible job this offseason. And look, I said on this podcast a couple weeks ago, like I did not think that they were going to be able to add another safety or add a safety in the transfer portal. At that point in time, I hadn't heard anything. We didn't really know much about Antonio Carter at that point in time. And I was pretty disappointed, especially when I saw that quote to Tom Loy from 24-7 Sports about how they were looking for a two-year rental. I was like, how many of those guys are out there? Well, they got him. So look, I'm wrong. Notre Dame was right. That's usually a good thing, I would say. And I'm really excited to see what these guys can do for Notre Dame this season, um, especially a guy like Carter, who's not going to be just a one-year rental. He'll be around for a little bit, and we will continue to talk about him at length in all of the Notre Dame defense on this podcast. So make sure you stick around uh, to Lockdown Irish for the rest of the week. But that is going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day on the way out. Remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a follow on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojak. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.